0: so many people are going to tell you that you can't do it but we're here to tell you that you definitely can right let's do a podcast welcome back rubbles hello
1: we've got another little cheeky bonus episode for you this week why is it cheeky i don't know it just is <laughs> Uh, so this is another one from the apple store and um, one of the today apple events we did and this one's with reggie yates what uh, legend mr yates is absolutely i think it's nice when you meet someone and they're as genuine as they come across when they're on television yeah. it's like there's no kind of fakeness there at all like he is he
0: is who you think he is just like a genuinely awesome dude yeah we really vibed really well with him and uh watch this space. Make sure you subscribe to us on your podcast app of choice because we might have a full-size episode coming soon. So uh, this is a little bite-sized episode to whet your appetite. Yeah, we only got 30 minutes to kind of sit down and
1: have a chat with him here. And then we did a Q&A after, but there's some amazing content in this. I think you're going to get a lot from.
0: Um, yeah, I love that we've uh, we've kept the Q&As in as well because I think some people were asking some really interesting stuff. So yeah, yeah gold. So yeah, this was another Today at Apple um make sure you check out if you just google today apple you can see what events are running in apple stores near you get a chance to go down listen to some cool people yeah and you get to play with some apple products and yeah it's always good fun yeah we've really enjoyed working with apple on this series of live podcasts and we hope some
1: more come from it because they're so fun and it's great to be able to interact with the audience after i hope you enjoy this episode
0: so do i have fun bye bye
2: I think we're ready for the main event, so could you guys please put your hands together for the guys from Creative Rebels and Reggie Yates. Hello, hello. 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 You said hello really sexy just did, then. yeah. Way sexier than <laughs> any of us. He's the
0: sexy one, that's why I bring him along. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to uh, the Creative Rebels live podcast in the Apple Store. Uh, We're the hosts of Creative Rebels, which is a podcast for creative entrepreneurs.
1: We basically want to make you be happy and fulfilled. So we want you to kind of produce something that makes you happy and makes you do something that you actually want to do and, yeah, leaves you.
0: There's something we say at the beginning of every podcast, which is there's never been a better time in history to make a career from being creative than right now. Um, and we believe that's true, so we're trying to give people the, uh, the kind of unlock to do that. Uh, it might not be easy, but it will definitely be worth it. So we are super happy to be welcoming Reggie Yates. Round of applause. Thank you very much. <laughs>
2: Thank you very much. I love the fact we had to twist your arm to give a round of applause. Hello, everyone. Thanks for coming. Hey. And, and so we've, we've just been chatting,
0: um, and so I feel like I can just get, we've got all of the surface stuff out of the way. I can just go really deep now.
2: Go for it. Dive in, dive in. Would you say you found your calling? Um, yes, and it's taken a while. Um, for those of you that have no idea who the hell I am or what the hell is going on, uh, for context, uh, my name is Reggie Yates. I've been in television for just shy of 30 years now. started on TV when I was eight years old. And uh, as a young actor, um, I always had ambition to be a director and to be a writer. And that is now what I'm doing. And um, storytelling has always been the thing that I've been driven to spend my life doing. And um, going from children's television right the way through to radio, into Saturday Night Entertainment, and now into documentary making and filmmaking, um, all I do every day is tell stories. And it's an incredibly privileged position to be in because... I can go to one corner of the planet and meet people that I would never normally meet and find out not only how similar we are but also how unique their experiences actually can be and how interesting and different and challenging and motivating and inspiring their journey can be. Uh, So storytelling through Factual has been something that has really changed me and changed my understanding of the power of story. But um, having the confidence to actually start writing, uh, pitch, films and TV and actually get green lights and commissions is the next phase of my career and what I'm actually doing a lot of now and um, uh, being able to work with actors is something that is beyond amazing for me, you know, to have an idea, that's a small little thing that you sort of think about when you're having a walk or having a poo and then a year later you're on set with actors that you admire and watching them take something that you've written and elevate it in a way that you never could have imagined is one of the most creatively fulfilling things so to answer your question have I found my calling I think so because at the heart of everything I do is challenging perceptions uh progressing the conversation and starting conversation I think that can move us all forward I hope Uh, and that is a really beautiful thing that is much easier to do in factual and the challenge that I love taking on when it comes to drama
0: that's really interesting because with your process and with everything you do it's going to take such a long time to, for you to actually get the final result um so for us like we're professional graffiti artists we paint on walls for a living which is just the most ridiculous job in the world um but like i get to see the end result at the end of a day like how do you stay motivated with if you're like because it's such a long process and you're just grinding through Yeah,
2: i think it's enjoying the process that's a huge part of it you know i Looking at your job and sort of throwing it back to you, when you're on a crane. What what pro? Look at this. (laughs) this. This is what we do. But when you're on a crane and you're working on a tiny piece of a massive mural, to me that looks insane. And I don't know how you can enjoy that bit of the process, but you are so focused on the minutiae, but in the back of your head, you've got the whole. That is the process. And learning to enjoy the process and also learning to enjoy the hardships in the process and how that grows you as a creator and as a creative, I think are a huge part of why I'm still doing this. But also, and more importantly, I think, being willing to change and pivot over time is a huge part as to why I'm still doing this. Um, uh, Starting out as a young actor, I I was convinced that I was going to be Will Smith or Wesley Snipes. (laughs) And quite quickly, I realized that doesn't happen for everyone and when you sort of get to the place where you realise that your passion doesn't lie in performance as an actor, it lies in storytelling, you have to make a decision and I made mine. And um, I realised that I wasn't good as some of my contemporaries because I didn't care enough. You know, I didn't care enough about being an actor. I wasn't willing to stay up till 4 a.m. learning lines. I wasn't willing to uh, really pick apart performance of my heroes. But what I was motivated by was direction. Storytelling, screenwriting, those were, the, those were the things that really fascinated me. So when I finally was brave enough to say, you know what, this isn't what I was supposed to be doing, I found the right thing that I was supposed to do and that was to be the guy behind the laptop, behind the camera, pulling the strings.
1: How did you find that bravery?
2: Um, I think it came from a place of knowing what my strengths are mm-hmm. and also being honest enough with myself about my weaknesses. Um, I think when you're able to say, you know what, you're better at doing this thing than I am. Mm -hmm. I'm going to find something else to do. You're only making your life much easier and also much more enjoyable because there's nothing worse than banging your head against the wall, trying to break it down when that isn't really what your head's supposed to be used for. Um, To go away, think, and use your brain in a better way is what I had to learn the hard way. And thankfully, I still have some years ahead of me to be able to explore this thing that I'm really passionate about.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's like cool that you noticed that, that bravery is certainly like an aspect to it, because I guess it would have been quite easy for you to just keep doing the winning formula. Like TV was working, people wanted you for roles, like, like but I, I guess it wasn't fulfilling you,
2: yeah, fulfillment is a huge thing for me. Um, I've had a few conversations about it, so I don't know the backgrounds of everyone here. In fact, I don't know any of you guys, but if you are from a working class background or an immig- immigrant background, you may understand this conversation that I had more, um, more intimately. So I had a conversation recently with a friend of mine about um, how fortunate we are now as children of immigrants to be in a position of freedom, so to speak. Uh, because I grew up in a home where... The priority was putting food on the table and keeping the lights on. Therefore, the lesson for us was get a job that can sustain you, be a doctor or a lawyer or something that makes sense, whatever that means, right? Uh, If you're brave enough to challenge your parents and say, no, I want to do this creative thing, which I was, and then actually be successful at it, suddenly you're in a really unique position and that is, oh wow, I'm actually doing a job that I love, which is something my parents were never fortunate enough to do. My parents and grandparents hated going to work to earn not very much. So I could understand where my parents were coming from and wanting me to have a really good academic uh, life and a job that followed. Wanting to be creative wasn't guaranteed, but actually going into the creative world, becoming successful, suddenly I found myself in a place where I was all of the things my parents didn't think I could be. But then you get to that place where you're earning good money doing something that you enjoy, but are you fulfilled? And it's a real ridiculous notion in the eyes of my parents, but for anybody that has been through that journey, you'll understand that you can't talk to that generation about it because they may not understand. But for somebody who has created a world for themselves and a life for themselves and a career for themselves, searching for fulfillment becomes the real aim. And now, for me, I am feeling creatively fulfilled because the work that I actually do, I think, is in its own small way affecting change.
1: What do you think is holding most people back from feeling fulfilled and for kind of taking that leap?
2: Uh, I think most people are being held back from feeling fulfilled in the work that they do uh, from not necessarily believing that they can live off of the things that they believe in. Mm -hmm. Um, It's quite a long sentence. But yeah, not believing that the thing that you love will pay your bills cripples a lot of people before they've even begun. Um, There is every reason for you to not have a career being graffiti artist, but at the same time, you've made it work. That doubt, that imposter complex, or whatever they call it, imposter Imposter syndrome, syndrome, um, is very real. And at that crossroads in your career, I'm sure you thought, you know what, I'm just going to work in a bank on the days when you weren't getting commissions and were eating beans. And for any creative who's been through a journey, who's been through the process, you'll know those moments when you don't get any work for months at a time, but you still got bills to pay. It's that bravery and self-belief that forces you to persevere. And in persevering, you end up getting to that place where you're actually doing what you love.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we talk about it all the time, how... Um, and I, th- I said it at the beginning, like, it's, it's not going to be easy, but it's definitely going to be worth it. I mean, when I said to my mum in 2010, I was going to do graffiti for a job, which was not a career option, like, she just looked at me like I was absolutely crazy. And I can see why. Um, because that, that wasn't a career option. But I knew in my heart that, was the, that I had to try and make it work. Um, and that involved... It involved sacrifice selling my sneaker collection still hurts me to this day Um, but like but those were the sacrifices like moving back in with my mama at 27 years old like like that was that was what I knew I had to do to make it work and I think um, I think maybe in 2019 we see the Instagrams and we see the finished result so we don't see the graph that that took everyone to get there Um, and I think it's important to realize like every single creator that you see that's successful that's, that's doing doing stuff like, they've, they've come a long way. Well, I'll,
2: I'll challenge you on that. I think in this era, there is people that aren't that, and that aren't a product of that story and journey. I think personally, the people that will sustain yeah. have that journey. But I do think that there are people who are successful overnight. Uh, in uh, the social media age, and in the age of reality TV, there is a cheat code. But what a lot of people don't understand is that there's a small print that comes with that. For instance, if you are going on a reality show and within six months you've got a million followers and you're being paid thousands of pounds to wear a particular brand, a fast fashion brand, you will be replaced in a year. But nobody tells the young person who looks at said reality star that that's the small print. Whereas if you are building towards something over a longer period of time, creating contacts, learning your craft, actually understanding what it takes to sustain, they are, and I'd like to say, I I hope I'm included in that. I'm one of the people that will actually have a career and sustain that career because of the work that has actually gone in.
1: Where's the difference between the people who win and don't win? Do you reckon that comes down to authenticity?
2: Um, I don't think that's the only defining factor, but I think authenticity is a huge part as to why people um, can have a career creatively. Um, as I said, social media has changed everything. And I think it's harder to pretend now. Yeah. Everybody's got a camera. You can get caught out if you're faking the funk. Yeah. If you're not the person that you say you are online, if you don't look the way that you present yourself to look online, you will get found out. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's also exhausting to keep that up.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. I, I mean, one thing that we talk about quite a lot is don't go viral. You don't want to go viral because we have a lot of kids that get in contact with us and they're like, oh, how do I make this go viral? If you go viral, the people that that come, they they haven't been on the journey with you. They've seen one thing. And all of a sudden, you'll get this rush of people who don't know... Who you are? They don't know where your work's coming from. They don't know the the like everything that it took to get to that stage. And it's like I like that can be one of the most crippling thing for people is to actually go viral and all of a sudden have that rush of of attention. And then it's like, well, what do I do now? Now I have to collect like do the next viral hit. And that's just it's not sustainable. It's a downward
2: spiral. If that's the game that you're playing, I think it's a downward spiral and it can't sustain. Um, I I mentor, and I have quite a few mentees now, and whenever I sit with one of my mentees for the first time, the first question I ask them is, what do you want? And it's funny because I get the same answer every single time. It's, I want to be able to look after my parents, uh, I want to pay my mum's bills, um, I want to be able to feed myself, I don't want to have to think about money. It always comes down to looking after themselves, and I say, okay, If I told you that all of that is gonna happen because I believe in your talent and you should too, and it's gonna work out, what do you want? And then they start to think. And I think for a lot of people, um, what's in front of you becomes the priority as opposed to where you're gonna be in 15 years and what might matter then. I think if you've not come from much, it's very easy to fall into the trap of how do I sustain myself? How do I pay my bills? How do I look after my loved ones? But if you really, truly want a career, you have to say to yourself, okay, what is it that I'm going to do today that will pay dividend in 15 years? And that's a really difficult thing to get your head around if you're still living at your mum's house and you're 29 years old. That's tough, but that is a huge part of most successful creative stories. So these
1: young people you're mentoring, is there kind of common commonalities you see in the things, the questions that they have and the struggles that they have? Like Is there something you're like, everyone has this, this problem?
2: Um, I think for now, um, all right, this is an old man alert here. I'm gonna make myself sound at least 30 years older than I actually am, but I'm kind of cracking on a bit now, to so deal with it, right? <laughs> um, I think, in my day, when I started out in television, which was a long time ago, um, there was only one or two ways to make it mm-hmm. and to be successful and to have a career. And that was to follow a very specific blueprint. Whereas now, I think that that has been completely kiboshed to the point where there are so many disruptors proving that you can do it in 50 million different ways. People don't quite know where to go, where to take their talent, how to build an audience, where to build an audience, what platform is the best place to be, what should I leverage? Should I be leveraging my looks? Should I be leveraging my voice and my intelligence and do a podcast? Should I be putting up beautiful selfies? It's this weird thing now where so many young people want X, but are seeing so many different versions of the why and how to get there that it can be confusing, I think. Um, for me, the answer to that almost always is the same thing, and that is implicitly, what matters to you? What are you passionate about? What is the core of what you want to do? Yeah. Once you can identify that, everything else falls into place, I believe.
1: Yeah, we always say to people, try as many things as possible. If you don't know what to start with, it's best to just start, because a lot of people will just be like, not start anything because there's too much choice but we always say like just start like try all these different things because you don't know which one you're gonna love absolutely and when you find that like because a lot of people when they're kids they don't know what they want to be when they grow up but by trying lots of different things people find their callings which would be something they never expected
2: yeah i think failure is possibly the best teacher yeah i've learned so much from getting things wrong or trying things out and nobody watched it's been a fantastic lesson to to, to fail. And failure for me for the longest time was the biggest sign of weakness. Whereas in reality, I think if you're able to fail and bounce back or fail and learn, then you are stronger than most. So bringing it back to the
0: storytelling, um, do you think that storytelling can bring around change?
2: Absolutely. Um, I like to think that um, I'm affecting change in my own way through the documentaries that I make. Um, and well it's the age old conversation isn't it about the power of art and you know uh, when you look at political parties the first thing that they use for propaganda is is art and there's a reason for that art resonates with us in a way that not much else does and um, for me I've always found art to shape and move me in a lot of ways and I mean there's a million and one examples I mean how much did a movie like Moonlight changed the conversation globally. You know? How much did a movie like Philadelphia help the AIDS movement and understanding of, of, of the AIDS crisis? Um, and that's just in film, let alone in art or music. You know? Art is powerful. Art is a part of all of our lives even if we don't realize it. You know, So I think affecting change through art is very possible, particularly if you are actually applying some thought and belief Uh, that your ideas and uh, passions have value in the art that you create.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I I mean, I know we've not got long here on this stage. Can you tell
2: I'm talking really fast? (laughs) We've not got much time.
0: (laughs) It's like, that's what I really wanted to get across because it links back to what we were just talking about. And I think so many people are focusing on the end goal that they forget the process that it takes to get there. And if you're not finding joy in the process, which you clearly are, because... There's, there's a they, like you have a why, you're making stories in order to affect change, in order to have com- open conversations, um, which you are doing through your work. Like your, like your documentaries are sick. Like do you know what mm. I mean, like Gremfell t- like, like with Gremfell, like just, just talking to the people. It was the, it was the yeah. people. That was know? the heart of the
2: film. You know, it's yeah. funny you mentioned the, the why. I um, I met and interviewed a man recently, or well, last uh, a couple of years ago, uh, called Simon Sinek, Simon Sinek. Who has a powerful. book, yeah, yeah, a book that you all have to buy it's called start with why yeah that's and i've got two books i always recommend people starting businesses start
1: with why is always one of them it's fantastic yeah. it's, a, it's
2: a great book one of my books same here um stephen biddulph raising boys is one of the books i always recommend because as a man it tells you so much about yourself and as a woman you learn so much as to why we're idiots <laughs> uh, number one and and start with why is another and at the core of any creative endeavor is the why mm-hmm. if you've actually asked the question why am i actually doing this and you've answered it honestly and truthfully, there is no reason why it can fail. Yeah. And also it should, and hopefully will for anyone that does that, reframe what success actually looks like. I think it also, it makes the hard times easier. Because if
1: you start and your why is to make loads of money and there's no kind of like deep down passion there, when it gets hard, you're gonna quit. You're gonna go and do yeah. something else. Whereas if you've got a why that's like, I'm doing this to help this person to change this. Yeah when it's shit and hard, you're going to fight through that to kind of break yeah, the barriers Absolutely. I mean,
2: to answer your question about Grenfell, the why on that film and the starting point for us, uh, myself and the production company, expectation that made the film was what does this story look like when you tell it from the perspective of the people that were directly affected? Because uh, there was so much news coverage about what happened in the Grenfell tragedy and it was focused on the political element, the responsibility of it. Who was responsible for putting that cladding on the building? Uh, who can we point the finger at? And all of those are valid questions, and all of those, all of those questions needed answers, but something that was being neglected was, who lost their lives and who were they? Who were those actual people? What happens when we take names off of a list and actually humanise them? What does that tell us about our empathy for the tragedy and how far we've given a level of empathy, you know, and how much empathy, sorry, we've given uh, to that community? So it was about humanizing the people that lost their lives and the family and the community around them. It's beautiful work, man. So
0: um, this was amazing. We've already discussed. We're going to do a full-length podcast and we'll go We'll go a bit deeper. Yes. Um, <laughs> I won't have to speak as fast. <laughs> Thank God. So we're going to open it up to the floor now and we're going to do some Q&A. So uh, I'm sure there's probably some burning questions out there. So just hand straight up. So, um, so the Apple guys are going to bring some mics around and uh, go for it.
2: Hello, hello.
3: Hello. (laughs) Hello. Hi. (laughs) Thank you for your wonderful chat. Thanks for Um, coming. My question is, um, what stories would you like to see more of, especially in this day and age where there's a lot going on? Um, Yeah.
0: So for me, like we, when we create our work, like we, we, are telling stories as well, just in a very different way. Um, so for us, um, I mean, we did a campaign for um, violence against um, girls, like young uh, abuse against um, y- really young children in Brazil. Um, which was a really, really important project for us. Um, There's a a strip of motorway in Brazil, which is the worst um, area for sexual exploitation. Um, And we went to um, Brazil, one of our artists went to Brazil, and painted with some of the girls who had been affected, who lived in that area, and um, telling those stories is, is so important, raising awareness. And we've done that in a totally different way that Reggie would do it, um, but we've done it by, by like, letting the girls express themselves through using art, which was, which was incredible. Um, so I think there's, there's, we're, we're in the best time that the world has ever been in. Like there's less war, there's less death, there's creativity, there's, but there's also a lot that still needs to be talked about. And I think we are having these
2: discussions, but it's the art
0: that is, is making those discussions happen.
2: Um, I'm fascinated by identity. Um, I'd love to make a film on that. It's something that we're trying to find time for me to do. Um, I'm also really interested in mixed-race Britain. I think with the fastest-growing minority on the planet being the mixed-race community, um, I think there's a lot to be said for this new beige wave that exists <laughs> that we aren't really paying much attention to because what is this? I think they said in by 2050 the largest group will be people of mixed origin on the planet. And with that not being that far away, what does that mean for our future? What does that mean for our understanding? What does that mean for, um, for culture? So I'm fascinated by um, identity and, uh, and this idea of where we're heading as a country and as a community, a global community, when it comes to uh, interracial relationships and the result of that, which is uh, a mixed race child.
3: Hi, Hello. good evening. My name is Sadet Kuvench. I live in London. I'm in London. I have a question for you, Mr. I can't express in words how much we appreciate the work you do for this world, and you give this world with your platform a voice, which is something you've been asking the purpose of these people, why they want this platform. Just like yourself, my idealist Princess Diana, I would like to know how do you stay humble, tolerant, I know the power is coming from a very strong place, and something inside is so strong. What is the secret of this fearlessness? How do you do it? Say we are there. Say we became there. How do we stay strong? How?
2: Thank you. That's a very, very good God question. Bless you. And the, the only people that call me Mr. Yates generally are the police. So <laughs> I'm glad to be called Mr. Yates in such a friendly environment. So thank you. <laughs> um, thank you for being so kind about the work that I do. Um, Honestly, the, the work that I do, I'm not entirely responsible for it. I wish I was, because I would, I would claim it all. But I always work as part of a team. So um, uh, everything that I do is collaborative. Even when I am writing and directing something, there's 100 people that make that happen, excluding the actors that are actually performing the work that I've written. I think understanding how important your ideas can be, but also understanding how unimportant you are in the greater scheme of things, is part of the reason that I retain any level of um, humility i think i I grew up in a house where we didn't have very much and even at the age of eight i was working and earning good money i would be brought right back down to earth when i walked in the house and was told to do the washing up or to sweep the carpet because i was raised by a ghanaian woman Um, i think understanding that what we do is incredibly important to us but it's not really that important on the greater scheme of things. I think that helps you understand how important you are and um, how important your work is. And also, and more, most importantly, I'd say, uh, once you create something, it's no longer your own. Um, if something that I write and direct or something that I front as a documentary maker takes on a life of its own, then it takes on a life of its own. It's not because I am all-powerful and godly. Um, so for me, um, once something is done, it's left to the world to elevate it or not, which is why if I'm blessed with awards, which I have been, and if there are more in the future, that's great, but that's not why I do it. Uh, Why I do it is because I feel that there is an opportunity to actually use the platform that I have to affect change in a positive way. And thankfully, I understood the power of my platform a few years ago when I realized there aren't many people that look like me that have the opportunities that I have. Therefore, if I keep going, I can empower others and hopefully continue this thing that I've started. No worries. thank you. Thanks for the question.
1: Uh, just to mention graffiti art, um, I was actually one of the original graffiti artists back in 1986, um, and you certainly didn't have a career in graffiti art back then. Um, but I have a question about hosting or um, having guests on your podcasts. So firstly, how do you access your your guests um and secondly for yourselves to be guests on podcasts how would you be contacted what would make you interested in being involved in a podcast well i think like a a lot of ways that we find guests is because when we started we started in january and we had no followers no listeners no one knew who we were so we went out to try and find people to be on our podcast that would be really interesting, would have a big audience to help it grow. So what we did, or well, what I did, is I did portrait photography. So I went to a lot of people and said, I'll give you a free portrait shoot. You get to hang out with them for an hour or so, get to know them. And then at the end, be like, oh, I'd love, to, I'd love for you to come on my podcast. And then you've gone and helped someone for free out of your own time. It was valuable for them. And then they just want to help and reward that. And a lot of guests we've had are from people that we've helped along the way. And then as soon as you've done a few guests, then look at who they know and they can pre-introduce other people. And then once you've got a portfolio, you can then go to someone cold and say like, well, we've had this person, this person, this person on. Would you be interested in coming on as? And so that's kind of what we've done to grow it. Yeah,
0: I I think it's... The main thing, especially when we started, because like as Adam said, you, everyone starts from zero. Um, and or the, like, We've been in business for nine years, so through that time we've met some amazing people and we had a few contacts that we could talk to. But essentially we're starting from, from, the, from the bottom. And um, what we had to do is just get people to believe in our idea. Yeah. And the, the, the why... Uh, it comes back to the why Simon Sinek of the podcast was to help creative people we knew that there was no one really doing that in the UK um there was there's a few American shows which it just didn't vibe with us it just didn't feel right um so we we set out to to create something that we didn't think existed um to do it with our own unique voice because only we can can bring that um, and just we just got people to believe in the vision and so that that just comes by just conversations and just you yeah, have meeting people talking people like we, we always say the people you meet will change your life and it's just about like just like you answering this question i'm sure we're going to have a conversation at the end of at the end of this do you know what i mean and it's just uh, asking people for help people are so willing to help if, if you ask and some people don't but some people are just dicks so we just ignore them <laughs> and that's fine do you know what i mean that's fine it's like um when when we first started i really wanted to get like uh, a really successful person on and emailed them and they said no but you, you have to meet that with empathy because the average podcast lasts seven episodes because most people give up because they don't see the quick growth that they expected oh, me and my mates have banging chats if I do a podcast everyone's going to listen to that and it's like the sad truth is most people aren't um, so so for someone to come on your podcast is, is kind of a gamble for them. Are you gonna make it past seven episodes? So we had to make people believe like, no, this, we're gonna make this work. Like you come on this show, it's gonna blow up, like trust us. And that's what we did, and, and it's kind of grown from there. Uh,
2: quick, I'll try and make my answer quick. Um, I, I have two podcasts now. Uh, one is me and a group of friends. And in answer to your question, how do you get guests on? We don't, we don't really like guests. People are rubbish. So we like to hang out with just us. Once in a blue moon, we'll invite people on. So we just had Ashley Walters come on and uh, the conversation was so good, we ended up splitting it over two episodes because his journey and his story is incredible from Jail to Top Boy. I mean, it's unbelievable what he's experienced and what he's been through. Um, My other podcast is guest-based. So I think it really does depend on what kind of uh, information you're trying to gain and share and what sort of platform you're trying to build. With my podcast, with the Reggie 8 podcast, it's about me and a group of friends being company to you wherever you are. We take the piss out of each other for about an hour, talk about things that we care about, and from all over the world, people message us and say, you're a group of friends that I hang out with every week and I really look forward to hanging out with you. That's the purpose of that. So we don't need to bring people into that world and into that room. The guest-based podcast, which launches on the 7th of October on all of your favorite uh, podcast platforms. Uh, (laughs) um, Primarily the Apple one, of course, Um, that is guest-based. And that's only five episodes. And each episode has a different uh, high-profile guest. And I'm doing what I do in documentaries, but in chat with someone that you think you know. And as a result, we get to really beautiful, interesting territory on um, some people that I really admire. And so I think you have to ask yourself, first of all, what is it that you actually want to achieve from the podcast? And does it really need guests to do that? And if it does, what kind of guests? Because one of the biggest episodes that we've had on my podcast uh, is with a guy who nobody knew before he came on the show, a guy called Coop. He's a fitness expert, a nutritional expert, and he's amazing. And that's one of our most popular episodes and one of our longest, but it has such a huge reaction because of the information he shared. So. Know your audience, know what it is you're trying to achieve.
0: I, I think as well, sorry to, to go on, but like, it um, goes back to what I said about going viral. Um, when we have big name guests on, um, so like Reggie obviously he has got a huge following when we released the episode, Reggie will post it on his stories and that will bring in a huge number of people but the people who stay with you are the people that trust you so it's like we're, we're building ourselves that so our, our audience knows that oh, these guys are going to get on the good guests they're going to get on the people that are going to unlock me and and through even if I haven't heard of the guest, I trust their judgement so Every time, so we, well, we interviewed someone who's got three million um, Instagram followers. That was a huge episode for us. But what we, like, he's a big Instagram um, photographer. So in our intro, we spoke about Instagram. We gave as much value about that platform. So hopefully, the people listening were like, "Oh, this is cool," and they stuck around. You know. So it's it's you use the guests, but at the end of the day, it's your show, and you have to sustain it. I think we've got time for one more, but uh, we will not leave until every question's answered. That doesn't go for Reggie because he's got to be somewhere. But we'll stay if anyone wants to talk to us after.
2: Hi, my name is. Hi. Hello. Oh. Hi, my name is Chioma. Um, my question is okay, directed cool. to oh, Reggie. In terms of your transition from being an actor to um, a storyteller, what was that like? Um, and then also, if you could talk, more about, talk a little bit about your documentary, um, The Black Renaissance, and that process as well, because I really love that documentary. Um, yeah. uh, okay, um, I, I didn't know where you were going when you started talking about my transition. I was like, what do you know that I haven't shared? Um, okay, so my transition from being an actor to being a creator, all right. So, um, okay, the way I describe it best, um, they're never short answers, so I'm gonna speak like a quick talker man again. Um, I've always described being an actor and if there's any actors here, this is no offence to you at all. Personally I don't envy musicians and I don't envy actors. And the reason I don't is because so much of the control is not in their hands Uh, Film and TV is essentially a director's medium. If you are an actor, you are one of the elements that complete it. And your performance can be reversed, it can be sped up, it can be slowed down, it can be hacked to pieces, it can be completely cut by the director. And for me, creatively, knowing that what I do on the day may not be the end result, was not creatively fulfilling for me. Uh, The minute that I understood that, and that I wasn't really passionate about being the best actor ever, I realized that that wasn't the best way to tell the stories that mattered to me. And that's when I started writing. And as a writer, I wrote for eight years before I showed anybody in my management anything I'd ever written. Because I've read, as an actor, weirdly, through osmosis, I've read and learned so much about crap writing and great writing. As an actor, you learn so much about great directing and bad directing. And I didn't want to be one of those massive, headed, full full of ego actors who thinks that they can write straight out of the gate. So I quietly developed my craft while I was doing other things. And then when I was finally able to share it, I knew that it was of a standard that was better than it would have been if I shared it straight away. So the journey for me was about not wanting to be Pinocchio, but being way more interested in the world of Geppetto. Understanding that if you are literally pulling the strings, it is your art and it is your baby. You are in control from fade in to fade to black, right the way through to the sound mix, the grade, and everything else that comes in post-production. That, for me, is an interesting and a far more fulfilling way of telling story as opposed to learning some lines and turning up on the day and saying them and hoping for the best when it comes out. Black Renaissance, you want me to talk about that? Okay, Uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, go and see it on iPlayer, it's amazing. I think it's a great film. Uh, Not because I'm in it, it has absolutely nothing to do with me, genuinely, because of the people that I got to speak to. Uh, The reason I was really excited to make the film, because it was actually my idea to make the film, Uh, the reason that myself and Swan produced that was because something amazing is happening in culture at the moment. Um, uh, One of the top lines that I wrote when I pitched the idea was, uh, in a time of Trump, uh, where America is arguably at its most divided, you could argue that some of the loudest creative voices are African American. Why is that? Now, in a time where you've got Donald Glover, Issa Rae, Ava DuVernay, and all of these incredible creatives completely shaping and changing conversation around some of the things that we all talk about or think about, you have to ask yourself, how is this happening and why? Which is why I went to America to find out. And in sitting down with everybody from Lena Waithe to Justin Simeon to Mahershala Ali, I was able to really hear from the source what is happening in Hollywood and why there is this black renaissance and more importantly, why it's a movement and not a moment. And you could argue that that is happening in global culture as opposed to just in film. So I think that we're in an incredibly interesting time for minority voices, for LGBTQ voices, for women. I think that we're in an incredible time for people to be heard. Uh, Where that goes, I think is up to the people that are actually creating right now. And um, I believe that it really is uh, a movement, not a moment. I think
0: we've got time for one more
2: bonus. How you doing? And they've turned off your mic. The disrespect. Still not working? No, it's not. Oh,
3: it's ironic because i am got there a podcast, and I don't know how to turn it off. OK, so I'm Angie. It's a question for the whole panel. It's a continuum to the previous uh, gentleman's question. So how do you, so I interview guests. I absolutely love, yep. love interviewing people. And. But I love the, like the real people who just say like it is. And I've noticed that now. We ser- sometimes, so, my question is this How do you discern when you have guests on who, you know, maybe they just have a bigger following or they, you know, but you interview them. And to me, sometimes the questions or answers are too vague and I push back. But at the end, when I then finish it, I don't feel like it's, it's not quite right. So, how do you discern between is it something that you should put out there? That is actually gonna be of value to people or is it just your ego in the way? Like how do you know when to dish a finished product or when to put it out?
0: Listen to your audience. If they're telling you yeah. like everyone is their own worst self-critic, and we sit and look at us so like we've just started doing YouTube videos, and we look at our stupid faces, and we both hate our voices. And and I and like the content I consume is like some of the biggest podcasts in the world, and, and I'm like, oh, I'm not at that level. But then I look in my DMs, and people go this podcast has like changed everything. I quit my job the other day. Like I've, I've been doing my side hustle, all of this stuff. Like that's, that's how we know that we're getting it right. Mm. Um, and if we interview someone, like we'll never interview someone just because they've got big numbers. Yeah. Um, there was an interview that we did and it didn't feel right, so it didn't go out. Um, because at the end of the day, your audience is your most important thing. Yeah. And you have to think of them. Every question we ask in the back of my head is like, I'd love to have a chat with Reggie about old school hip hop but that doesn't bring our audience value. Like on an old school hip hop show, that brings them a lot of value. But like every question I ask is like, I want someone at the end of tonight to be like, I'm gonna be a filmmaker. Do you know what I mean? And that's, that's what drives us.
1: Yeah, it's constantly having knowing who your audience are and what you wanna give to them, like how you wanna help them with your content and thinking, yeah, if you do go off path and start talking about something that's not relevant, just bring it back to that because yeah it happens all the time to us but we're so conscious of well what will our audience get from this rather than just the conversation that we're having now because that one hour is going to go out to the world but as soon as the mics go down then you can chat about whatever you want but have your audience to have them as your. Uh, i
2: i got asked a similar question recently but from one of my mentees and my answer was you know the answer
3: I already dished one, but there's a second one I want to dish. I'm just like, is it just me being too controlling? Uh, The truth
2: is, you know the answer. I think it's just harder to admit the the, the truth than it is to procrastinate. Sometimes it's so much harder to go, maybe I shouldn't go on a date with her. It's harder to do that. Sometimes it's harder to say, actually, uh, this week was actually shit, so I'm not going to put it out. Sometimes it's harder to admit, I picked someone to be on the podcast because they've got two million followers, but at no point did I actually think, can they actually speak? Maybe I should watch some of their other interviews. It's nine times out of 10, you know the answer. It's just harder to admit. So I think um, two things. First of all, be honest with yourself. If you've created a piece of content that you know isn't good enough, don't put it out. Take your licks and learn from the lesson and move on. Um, and second of all, start with a killer question. It's like, uh, I love stand-up comedy. And um, I remember watching an interview with Seinfeld where he talks about being a new comedian and the host said to him, all right, they're really tough out there tonight. Start with your finishing joke. I think if you're not sure about the talent that sat on the other side of the microphone, start with your killer question. And then you're, you're there you're in that real place, you're in that place that you were hoping to build up to and go through the fluff and then get to the killer question, fuck all that. Start with the killer question and then as a result, you end up having a much realer conversation. And for me as someone who's interviewed everything from neo-Nazis right the way through to crazy priests in South Africa, if you start with the hardest question, you end up uh, getting respect from them out the gate and having a much more honest conversation.
0: And I think there's obviously something there with your confidence, like you're you're still growing your confidence. What's really key is what Reggie said earlier. He wrote for eight years before anyone saw it and it's like, you're, you're producing this content, you're on a journey, like our episode one sucks compared to our episode 40. Absolutely. It's like, yeah. it's like, That's just, not me saying your
2: episode just, one's crap, by the way. <laughs> no, it's actually a very Mine good Mine is terrible. <laughs>
0: but enjoy, enjoy the journey, like enjoy growing, like, like just, just get involved with it and just keep going, just keep yeah. going. What
1: I would say as well is find someone in your life who's honest, like if you, you can kind of say, is this good? Don't give it to your mum because she'll say, yes, this is the best thing find ever Find someone like Adam. Yeah, just brutal, like, You'd find someone like that because getting true, honest, the true, finding someone who can give you honest opinions is absolutely invaluable. Because if you've just got like yes men around you all the time who are like, you're great, you're great, you're great. You're just going to, it's going to go to shit. But like, so yeah, find someone
0: honest. So I'm, go- I'm
1: happy to answer any questions. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh, we're going to do something quite cool now. Um, we're going to have a little insight into Reggie's uh, creative process. You, Yeah. All of this, all of this, um, using, what's the app called?
2: Uh, yeah, so uh, this is an app that I use all the time on my Insta stories. It's called Unfold, and it's brilliant because um, I love Instagram. So if um, you've
0: not downloaded it yet, go to the App Store and grab Unfold.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, it's free. You can pay more money to get extra filters and stuff like that. Uh, but my social media changed about a year ago and grew massively. And I promise you I'm not making this up for... Uh, a story or an anecdote that is in keeping with the theme but genuinely we have uh, at the company that manages me and my career and all the things I do uh, a social media department now and the head of social at YMU the company that manages me is a guy called Jordan he's 21 years old and he gets it he gets social media I'm an old geezer now I'm not a million miles from 40 now and he gets it he understands how this platform works and he challenged me he said um Uh, Why do you think you're not getting as many likes or follows or reactions to the things that you're putting out online? I was like, I don't know. I just don't know what I'm doing. I don't know if I'm putting up at the right. He said, it's nothing to do with the time that you're putting up. It's to do with the way in which you communicate with your audience. And I went, what do you mean? He said, well, you've been lots of different things to different people in your career. And now, arguably, most people will define you or see you as someone who tells stories or shares stories of others. So why aren't you telling stories? And I went, oh, I feel really stupid. <laughs> I need to meet this kid, man. He yeah, is he's switched he's good. on. He's good. So about six months ago, my social media completely changed and I've filed on lots of followers. I don't, I've got way more followers on Twitter, but I don't use it. I don't like the platform. If anyone from Twitter is here, I'm sorry, but it's a poisonous <laughs> cesspit of hate and I don't want to have anything to do with it. But I've got twice as many followers on there than I do on Instagram, but I enjoy Instagram because it's a nicer place to be. And also for someone like me, it's way easier to be creative because it's not just words. You can use words and pictures in a really creative way. And so, telling stories through my main feed and through my Insta stories, ironically, is something that I really enjoy doing. So, I don't have any shares in Unfold and I'm annoyed that I'm not getting paid to promote them in the way that I'm about to, (laughs) but I think it's a fantastic app because you can really play with images, you can play with picture, and you can also play with text in a way that you can't normally on Insta stories. And for me, I was away in Palm Springs. And uh, as you can tell, I had to do some stuff for Jaguar at the time. Um, (laughs) uh, And um, I didn't want to do a horrible, hey, ad. Uh, So I thought, how can I try and make this a little less horrible? And that was to actually try and tell a story. Now, these are just two slides from like a 30 slide story where there's video, there's text, and I'm actually giving you a narrative as to the day. And I think being able to deliver narrative through something like your Insta story, for instance, is an incredible way to make people revisit your story if you care enough about growing uh, an audience on social media.
0: I mean, it's called a story after all. So let's create you think that stories. the penny would drop
2: with me, right? Yeah. But it didn't. It took a while. <laughs> thanks for listening we're trying to help
0: a lot of people with this show so we need your help to grow the community and spread our message
1: if you know someone who'd benefit from hearing what we talked about today or they just need a little nudge in the right direction
0: pass this podcast on to them if you want to hear more then subscribe to us on itunes and if we helped you with anything we'll really love you forever if you can leave us an itunes review it makes a huge difference see ya